Here we are, episode two of Built for Better. I've got a good friend of mine, Brendan White, with me today. Today, I want to have a chat with him about work ethic and dealing with adversity. Any quick things for the intro? No intro from me, mate. Happy to be the uh, first guest on Built for Better. So, um, yeah, excited. Let's have a yarn. Yeah, first guest. Here we are. Let's roll the intro, then we'll get started. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I've gotten you from my life. No more. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. Wasted energy spending a pace for every hour of waste. I need an escape to center me. And I don't mean to make a rush for the door. But time's a currency. I'm currently poor. I'll be leaving it soon. I don't mean to be rude. But this scene ain't for me. Like your mom's seeing your nudes. I got places here we are, so we're sitting out the back in my office. It's a pretty horrible day outside, so it's probably a good spot to be. Great place to be today. Nothing worse than being outside, I think. Before we get started, I reckon we should go right back to the little child, Brendan White. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Uh, upbringing, I was a Ningen boy to start with. Um, grew up there with mum and dad. Uh, dad had the farm, mum had the supermarket in town, so... Yeah, it was pretty good afternoons getting some getting some chips and soft drinks and then going out to help dad on the farm. But yeah, did that till I was about fourteen or fifteen, and yeah, left home after that. Were you relatively skinny as a kid? I was definitely skinny as a kid, a bush kid, typical bush kid, uh, very active, always you know finding something to do. Had two brothers, so we'll always you know pretty pretty flat out as kids so yeah was pretty skinny as a kid yeah and what about school like did you get right into school or like were your parents on to you to do really well at school uh I wouldn't say I I I did really well at school but I definitely held my own you know I could read write count you know pretty handy at math science English you know basic stuff but it definitely wasn't um wasn't my favourite thing to do. I always wanted to be out in the bush or sort of knew what it, I, I wanted to do young in life. So school wasn't really the, you know, the funnest part of my upbringing. But, you know, you've got to go to school. So that's just how it rolls. And what about at school? Was there much sport as a young fella? Yeah, there was footy, footy in the wintertime and then cricket in the summertime and then some, you know, skiing as well. But, you know, being out in the bush at Ningen, there wasn't, there wasn't a great deal of, of sport. It was basically what you could get in in the lunchtime and that was about it. Yeah, and were you uh, rugby league or rugby union? Rugby league out at Ningen, yeah. And what about cricket? Were you a good cricketer? No, I'm a great fieldsman, shocking bowler, shocking batsman. Yeah, I played cricket as a kid too, and I, I really don't know why I played. I spoke about this in my first podcast. I literally, I think my highest score was less than 10. I couldn't bowl to save my life, and I literally couldn't throw it from here 50 metres. I was like the worst uh, person you'd want to have on your side. But anyway, moving on. Um, after school, what did we do? Uh, after school, left halfway, you through year 10 uh, went to Warren worked as a jackaroo there on a stud farm um, yeah halfway in between Nevertire and Warren so it was just basic sheep work cattle work and then a bit of cropping as well uh, did that for two years and then got a bit of a promotion at Warren um, as the stud groom there on their you know stud merinos and whatnot so that was that was a good start to life um, knew I didn't want to stay there for the rest of my life but it was a great stepping stone of you know how to learn well learning to work stock learning you know to deal with people there was myself and 10 other jackaroos there so 
you soon, um, you know, you got pushed out of your comfort zone a bit and got not so much forced to meet other people, but you're meeting new people. Some of them you didn't get along with, some of them you did. So it was a, you know, a lot better than, a lot better than school. I found anyway. What's the typical life of a jackaroo do? Um, wake up five thirty, six o'clock over the morning. Um, when I was stud groom, you know, your first job is to go down there, uncoat the rams. So you're uncoating them. You put a coat on them in the night time to keep their wool really, really good. Um, and then you roll into other jobs there, uh, the mustering sheep, uh, mustering cattle, fencing uh, in drought years, which we're experiencing now. There's a lot of feeding of hay, cottonseed, grain, that type of stuff. It changed every every week but basically up at 5 30 at 6 and knocking off at you know five o'clock as well yep and from jackarooing where'd you go then i got a job at condoblin working for a company which is based in forbes called kevin miller witty lennon and co they're a stock and station agency um specializing in you know livestock sales auctions plus and auctioneering and then, yeah, been here for six years in condo now and not looking back. Yeah, so this is how our relationship started. This is a young, skinny halfback playing rugby, showed up to rugby training, and me and Brendo built a pretty strong bond, um, which included a lot of Saturday nights out on the the grog. But, uh, yeah, we uh, grew really good friends, and from there, like your work ethic right from the start and the days you used to do really used to, um, I guess, I used to wonder how you did it. Tell us about your typical day or typical week with KMWL. Uh, typical week with KMWL starts on a Sunday, anywhere from 1, one 2 or 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon, drafting cattle and preparing cattle for Monday sale. That usually leads into 10 or 11 o'clock Sunday night, uh, back to the motel, have a camp back out at the sale yards at six or seven the next morning. Um, from there, you're selling the cattle, weighing the cattle and delivering the cattle, which usually leads to two or three o'clock in the afternoon Monday. Back to condo, draft two or three mobs of sheep to go over the sale Tuesday. Have a camp, get up at one, two in the morning at condo, drive an hour to Forbes uh, for the sheep sale and then you know, not getting back to condo until 6 or 7 o'clock Tuesday night uh, most weeks. So, you know, a combination of three days at the start of the week usually led into 35, 40 hours of work, which is okay, you've got to do it. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays, preparing stock for the sales next week, which is usually anywhere from, you know, getting to the office at 7 doing two hours of phone calls, paperwork, diary work, and then, you know, organising your three days from there and knocking off at five or six each day. So um, every Monday you sell cattle and every Tuesday you sell sheep. That's right, yeah. So when I started at KMWL, part of the job was, uh, you know, learn to auctioneer and then go on to sell every week at Forbes, Monday, Tuesday, and then clearing sales um, and, you know, lots of other stuff. Yeah, yeah, but every week. So with your auctioning, your first few auctions, tell us about that. Were you quite nervous or...? Yeah, shocking. Um, I was very nervous. It got the shakes up a bit. You, you, um, It's just finding your comfort zone, I, I think, you know, and when you're first doing it, 
you probably don't know your article of your stock what you're selling you don't know who you're selling to so there's a there's an element of unknown that well that's what makes me nervous anyway getting up in front of people or you know being the center of attention probably never worried me it was more the the unknown of what to do or who to sell to that's what made me the you know the most nervous there's no doubt the center of attention wouldn't have been an issue <laughs> no what about with the meat after oh sorry with the cows with the sheep after you sell them what's the process from there oh not much you know we're in sale yards we basically auction the stock cents per kilo and then they're weighed at a live weight after that you know the balls out of our court you know the processes the you know the people who have bought the stock you know they take over from as soon as we knock the hammer down yeah so the stock you sell mostly go to Woolworths Coles and things like that they're they're your main supermarkets um you you see Coles and Woolworths buy a lot of cattle and a lot of sheep but there's there's plenty of people you don't hear about what are mainly export you know we don't see their meat they buy the meat they put it in containers and then they send it overseas to you know various various countries and what's the process do you think from you selling it on a Monday to being on the shelf in Woolworths it'd be on the shelf by Friday I think you'd find I think if we sold it Monday it'd be in and out of the plant probably by Wednesday and it'd be on our shelves Thursday Friday yeah doesn't get any fresher no nah, doesn't does not get any fresher and I'm probably not one to promote you know supermarkets or something like that but it, it does go through quickly it, you know it's too expensive to have stock sitting around yards with with costs at the moment yeah yeah so monday tuesday sale days wednesday thursday friday we're getting ready for the next week of sales That's to right. then go again lead into yep preparation you know looking at stock dealing with with farmers and and producers and you know just servicing clientele to the to the best of our ability yeah and what's the process from now? What's your plan in 12 months, 24 months? You, you basically, you can have your personal, personal, you know, career goals and whatnot. You, you don't know what this season's going to do. You don't know how many stock are going to be around. All I think I can really try and achieve is, is just try and build my client base as, as big as I can get it, but you've also got to be... Uh, I probably I, I don't I'm, I don't know the word for it, but you've got to be, I'd say, sensible now of how many clients you get because you don't want to be that big that you can't service your clientele's to the standard that you want. And I'm a big one for service. If if you're not getting the you know a, the bang for your buck when I'm coming out or am I doing the job, you know you might as well let someone else do it. Yeah, and that kind of transfers over to exactly what I'm doing in the exactly. gym too. Like, exactly. I'm so um, passionate about doing everything I can for my clients, which yep. is exactly what you're doing, but just complete different industries. Complete different industries, but we've had conversations in the gym before about it. There's actually so many similarities, and it all that comes down to is dealing with different people and dealing with different needs and, and you know, basically giving them the best bang for their buck they're paying to go for your gym they're paying for me to go out there it's so similar and if they can get it better somewhere else they probably will yeah and while we're on that topic how do you go dealing with clients like i guess there's times where you tell a client that your sheep may sell for this and they go to the yards and they don't sell for that so i guess you're dealing with adversity and things like that quite often 
Yeah, dealing with a lot of it. Um, you know, sometimes I describe my job as a, a bit of a roller coaster ride. You can be right up the top of it and everything's going right. You're telling clients that the sheep are going to make good money and they make more. You know, you, you, you're having a brilliant week with a client where everything you're doing is right and everything you're doing is paying bills for them but then the roller coaster can go straight back down to the bottom and you have had a client that's been breeding his sheep for 30 odd years and the drought kicks in and he has to sell all of those sheep or you go out there and the market dips and you you know the client potentially loses money because of my advice it's, it's pretty hard on the head sometimes but you tend to work through it, yeah. Do you have any um, methods to deal with them low points? No, I. You've got to have a. You've got a good surrounding of people. You know, Sarah, you in the gym, my mum and dad, family, close friends. If you can surround yourself with good people, you can usually get your way through tough weeks. Yeah, because like. You know, you're quite young too. How old are you? 25 next March, yeah. Yeah, so high-pressure job for a 25-year-old to deal with some of that stress and some of them low points, especially like at this time where it's such a tough time with the drought. Like no doubt some of the cockies would have some um, interesting conversations with you. Yeah, it's it's I it's probably not a job I did want to get into so young. It's just interesting how it's all come along and developed. We'll probably talk about that you know in in another chat or in the next few minutes but yeah you find it tough being young the hardest thing i've had to do this year was being with people what are double my age or sometimes even triple my age and they've been on the land all their life and they're in a predicament where they don't know what to do they don't know who to call. They don't know what to do with their stock, and and they break down, and it's it's not fun to do. But if you're not there for them, who is? In small country towns like this, going through a very tough time in the drought, sometimes people don't have anyone to talk to in their lives. You know, they might be on their property by themselves. So if you're not out there doing the best what you can do, or helping them well sometimes there's no one i think like it's a male thing too we like to play pretty tough sometimes yeah that's right you know it's definitely a male thing and not that female go through the same things as we do they probably go through more stress than us but it's definitely a, a male thing to try and bottle it up try and you know tough it out but i think females are more have a chat to another female yeah do you they think? do they do they're smarter than us they get it out on the table they talk about it um you know whereas like i said we, we bottle it up and do you think exercise helps when you're going through these sorts of th- things like there's heaps of research and heaps of people out there say like you know exercise helps reduce stress and all of this do you, how do you find it helps you 100 percent 100% helps. I I haven't nailed it on the head what it is, whether it's the hour of where you work out, that's the hour of your time where, you know, you, you're in the mindset for the gym and you sort of forget about things. I don't know whether it's that 
hour that helps me or whether it is you know the physical activity and you're draining yourself and you know i haven't nailed it on the head i don't know what it is but i find in hard weeks and weeks where going through adversity if you can get to the gym and you can work out and you know put in an effort it makes the rest of the week so much easier for sure so out of anyone i know your phone rings the most how many phone calls would you take a week do you reckon from clients uh busy weeks you're probably not so much receiving but my boss he is one for pushing phone calls you have to keep in contact with your client you need to keep that relationship going where you're talking to them and you're uh uh, what's the what's the way of explaining it if you're keeping in contact with them they're more likely to probably ring you when they're ready to sell or you've already got it half organized you know when it's coming up so you've you've already got it planned out in your head before you're even out on the farm so anywhere from 100 to 200 phone calls a week would be would be sort of the standard but some weeks where you're got a couple of hours spare each day where you can do some phone calls and you know chase some work you, you could be sitting up around three three or four hundred unbelievable how do you go with like the sales calls and things like that this is something that i've sort of had to work on myself i'm not really um i wasn't comfortable ringing people um it, it probably comes with with confidence with um you've got to be confident of what you're selling you've got to be this is where we've spoken about before our, our industries are so different but they're so similar in ways if you were ringing someone, you would be explaining how you can get them fitter, how you can make their life better, being more active, how they can lose weight, how they can enjoy gym. Whereas when I'm ringing, well, I'm telling them, I can service you better, I can get more money for your stock, I can do a better job. It's very similar, but I think sometimes you've got to be a little bit ruthless. You've got to be You've got to be excited. You've got to be confident to try and sell yourself on the phone to a degree, but you've got to be reserved as well enough to make them come across, I'd say. Yeah, I did a marketing course with Travis Jones, and I thought Facebook marketing wouldn't be that big for my business. Like coming from a small town, population 3,500, everyone in town, you know what it's like. You walk past, knows your name. Yeah. And I was like, getting the leads through once I started and I was so nervous ringing them but that's what he said to me he's like you're ringing them because they've put their details in they want you to ring them that's right and if you're giving them the opportunity for a better life like mm-hmm. it's it's not really a sales call when you're giving someone an opportunity for a better life I guess or for you like getting them more money and offering them a better service yeah yeah what um what are you excited about that's coming up in the future? Where do you think your industry's going to go? Do you think it's just going to be um, like it is now or do you think there'll be changes? Nah, uh, like Andy, every industry, it's always changing. Um, I think our industry is becoming more, you know, not so much computerised, but the more online auctions, you know, you because of... Uh, animal activists, RSPCA, that type thing. They're all doing great things by, you know, the treatment of animals is better, but the likes of sale yards can be 
shown in bad times. Like there's certain predicaments where accidents or problems do happen in sale yards and that gets blown out of proportion by one bad angle on a camera. It's just like paparazzis and famous people, you know. Yeah. They take one bad photo, it can be blown out of proportion. It's exactly the same in sale yards. So I see the industry that I'm in becoming stock don't leave their farm there's probably a photo or a video of something like that taken of the stock and then Carl's Woolworth producers um all meet in the middle and probably you know negotiate a rate where the stock is sold and then they go from farm straight to the plant type thing that's where I see this industry going I wouldn't say it's a good thing I wouldn't say it's a bad thing I honestly don't know so what do you say to someone who say they don't have time to go to the gym when you get up at say one or two o'clock on a Tuesday morning, you work all day through Tuesday and you show up at the gym at 6pm at night? <laughs> I don't know, you can, you can always slot in that hour. I think, I think if you can't find an hour out of your day to try and hit five gym classes, you, you're probably not committed and you know i've been pretty slack the last three weeks and there is times where you can't physically make it but it's not hard to fit that hour into your day and like what we spoke about before if you can fit that hour in and free your mind and do that bit of physical activity it makes your rest of your week that much easier anyway so it'd be stupid not to do it yeah let's rewind a little bit so when you started at kmwl you come to condo as a skinny little hooker. What happened in the process? What happened from being that skinny little hooker to get, living that unhealthy lifestyle, do you think? Um, uh, easy, you know. I was single at the time. You're working big hours, so the convenience of shell service stations and bakeries and unhealthy food is so convenient and that's probably what crept in you know just unhealthy eating processed foods deep fried foods not fresh vegetables or fruit or anything like that and a fair bit of beer drinking as well i won't skim over that you You went through exactly what i went through probably three to four years earlier when i started at essential energy same thing like went through that same like I guess laziness period, it you'd is, say. It's definitely laziness. Yeah, but convenience, like I guess. It is convenience. And you think that you're, oh, I'm too busy or I'm, you know, too tired to go and, you know, cook yourself a nice dinner. Well, once you probably break those bad habits, you realise how easy it actually is. Yeah, so say now, can you notice the difference from eating like you did back then to eating like you do now and adding in training? Like how would you compare like your mental health now compared to back then? Mental health, completely different. You know, I still have weeks where I struggle with, um, you know, mental health and stuff like that. But if you can train, eat healthy, your energy levels are better, you, you know, not so much more relaxed. I think you're more... You get more energy out of your day by eating better foods and you go home feeling like you've achieved a lot in a day where if you're probably eating unhealthy, you're not getting the energy out of your day and then you're looking for something else to compensate there. Like you're looking for something else to eat or you're looking for an energy drink or something like that to get more energy and that's where I think I led into 
being overweight. Yeah, and you still enjoy a beer and stuff like we all do. Yeah, I enjoy a beer. I, I don't drink during the week, basically. Um, Sarah and I just, yeah, keep it on the water or, a, you know, a cordial or something like that. But, yeah, do enjoy a beer with, with mates and whatnot on a Friday or Saturday. Anything else you want to touch on before we go into the LTF five questions to finish up? Um, no, I think that's a, that's about a wrap. We'll go into the five questions. So five questions. I just want you to answer to the best of your ability. I'm putting you on the spot here. I haven't asked you any of these yet, but tell me something about you that no one else would know listening to this. Um, I wouldn't say no one else would know. A few people know, but not many. I'm actually a very keen, uh, I would say, avid bird watcher. Uh, not many people know that. <laughs> I, I love me birds, mate. I, there you most, go. Yeah, I didn't know that. And I'll say you, that for the last six years, I've been very, very good mates, <laughs> and I didn't know you're a bird watcher. No, I, mean, I love me birds, mate. I'd, I'd have 25 plus books at home with Australian birds and, you know, birds over the world. Uh, I'm actually, yeah, like looking at a few feathers and know most of my birds around the local area. Any bird watching trips coming up? <laughs> Do a few on the slide on weekends, what I don't tell too many people about, but yeah, just keep it local. Go so, out to the so what's the favourite bird? What's oh, Brando's bird of choice? Brando's bird of choice would have to be the Eastern Rosella. Eastern Easter, Rosella. I'll Easter have to Rose, look it up. Look him up. He's a very colourful parrot. Yeah, we've got a few around our condo area. They're, they're beautiful birds. That's not what I was uh, thinking you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Best piece of advice you've ever been given? Best piece of advice I've ever been given was probably what I said before about work, life, um, wouldn't say relationships, but Work and life can very often feel like a roller coaster. Um, one moment, one week, one minute, you might be right up the top and you're invincible. You know, you're, you're on the top of your, you're kicking goals in your career, you're kicking goals in your relationship, you're kicking goals, paying off your house, paying off your car, you, you know. But then you figure out that you can sometimes lead down to the bottom of that roller coaster, but if you can see out the front, there's usually you're coming back up or you get to go through it, you know. You don't just jump off the roller coaster when you're on the top, do you? Yeah, so I know. Don't, like it's, don't jump off it when you're at the bottom, you know. Just keep rolling through. It's it's hard to stay positive when you're in that bottom position too, but it's something that, like, I've, no, I work on, you know. Like, sometimes, like, I guess business too, you know, it's booming at times and then you get a few clients cancel, like, and That's it's, right. you know, you're riding that roller coaster. It's but just rolling through. Over the time, it's good to look at averages and things like that, I guess, rather of than... Of course. And you're not going to jump off the roller coaster up the top, are you? Because you're going to fall off and die. <laughs> so don't jump off her when you're at the bottom. Just hang keep, on, just hang keep on. Rolling. Question three. Is there anything that's happened to you that at the time you thought was the worst thing in the world but's turned out to be a blessing? Yeah, definitely. Um, probably more career uh wise in in that question you know i like i said before i probably didn't want to get into this industry being so young because it sometimes is hard dealing with with certain people or if we're going through droughts you know they can not so much um be rude or violent it's just that if they're dealing through a tough time it relays onto you like you don't enjoy 
your work as much as you could be, but doing it and not so much thinking it'd be the worst thing I've ever done, but thinking I was too green, too young, too early to be in it because there's not many young people in it with me turns out to be probably the best thing I've ever done for sure. Yeah, like there's no doubt that um, people your age haven't got the responsibility you got, but people your age also aren't probably prepared to do the work that you're prepared to do. Yeah, that, it comes with a lot of responsibility and when you, you know, you're building your clientele and you're getting blokes underneath you and you're organising your own day and then someone else's day and then the just when money comes involved, you you never want to make a mistake when it's someone's livelihood, and that responsibility sometimes can yeah scare the scare the crap out of you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Question four: Where will Brendo be in five years? Still in condo, still in condo for sure. Um, I really like this town. Um, better at my job. Um, hopefully a bigger clientele you would hope you're always trying to build but being smart about it being a better auctioneer being a better agent being a better person you know yeah I follow this guy his name's Isaac John and he has this quote that he says if I'm sitting here in this same chair this time next year and I'm not further advanced than I'm now I'm going to be so cranky at myself yeah I agree couldn't agree more question five favourite quote favourite quote um Got it on my Facebook bio as well. A few mates thought it was quite funny, but I think it's I think it's a hundred percent and live by it. Um, attitude is equally as important as ability. I think is definitely a, you know my favourite quote. It doesn't matter how talented you are at sport, how talented you are at your job, how talented you are through day to day life. If if you don't have the right attitude. To do it, you never get to kick goals. Yeah, 100%. How many good footballers out there don't make first grade because they haven't got the attitude? Exactly. Exactly. you got to have a good, good, good attitude. Yeah, one thing I did want to touch on that I actually just remembered, how do you go, like you obviously moved away from your parents quite young, do you want to, you obviously don't want to move back to Ningen? Like, no, how do you, that's th- probably obviously helped you grow up a little bit too, moving away from your parents so young, going jackarooing. Yeah, it definitely matured me very early, um, you know, and, and being around a people who are twice my age, sometimes even triple my age, it definitely, you need to be mature to talk to those people and hold your conversation with those type of people. So moving away from home was you know, just natural. I didn't want to stay at school and had to get out into the big wide world and, you know, start making something of it. I'm going to put you on the spot here. What would you say to someone who's in a job that they didn't like and they're just cruising by life, drinking every Friday, Saturday, not living the life they want to live? Get out of it. Stop being stupid. Because if you're not enjoying your job, you're not working um, as hard as you possibly can and earning your paycheck at the end of the week but enjoying it at the same time you never get a last at it basically or you're not going to enjoy life and you only get one shot at it and you've got to work to be successful in the world that we live in today i don't know anyone that i follow on social media or read about or see that is successful that hasn't had to work in their life 
So if you're cruising through a job at the moment, what you're probably not enjoying, and there is something out there what you'd enjoy more, even if it is less pay than what you're at now, I'd still still give it up in a heartbeat to go do what I wanted. Are you excited to get out of bed every morning? Definitely. Love getting out of bed. Are you a book reader? Oh, bird books. Love me. <laughs> <laughs> Love me bird books. Um, if I said I was a book reader, I'd be lying. I, I have started trying to read a few books. I've started reading a couple of books about Winx. Um, I think it's a great story, her journey through racing and, you know, the people around her, how one horse could make people's lives different and and change the way other people look at racing as well so I, I did enjoy reading a couple of those books even though I didn't finish them um you know and a couple of other books but I'm not much of a reader no. yeah I was never a reader like through school I just skipped every book I possibly could but now I'm getting right into it again like I'm so bad at reading I'm so slow mm-hmm. but like 10 I'm committed to 10 pages a day like you read 10 pages a day it's a book a month 12 books a year there's so much gold in books you yep. need to get into the books you need to get into the um, self-development mate yeah definitely tip. I'll get a few self-development books 5am club there's a tip I'm reading it at the club. moment it's quite good right good 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 anything else now I think we've covered it all you got any more questions no that's it thanks for jumping on first guest built for better um Thanks for listening, guys. Um, If you liked it, share it on your Instagram stories. And if you could, jump on and leave a five-star review. That way it reaches more people. I'm only just starting. This is on the episode two. But until next time, later. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more wasted energy spending the pace for every hour of waste. I need an escape to center me. And I don't mean to make a rush for the door, but time's a currency. I'm currently poor. I'll be leaving it soon. I don't mean to be rude.